Welcome back to another HVAC Success Secrets Reveal with Thaddeus and Evan, where we have good conversations with good people, and any good conversation worth having is worth having drunk, or in this case, slightly hungover. What a great episode with Ruth King this morning. Holy shit. The wealth that she brings. I mean, been yeah. in the industry for a hot minute, 35 plus years, eight businesses, five books, six on the way, shared a ton. I really like the goal and the mission of what she stands for and what women in HVACR stands for, and that's recruiting and retaining top level talent top level females within the space doesn't matter your role and and just their endowment that they're trying to build you know their goal of a million dollars to look for that link so you can donate because it's a powerful movement of what they're doing here absolutely and then we got into her business model as well talking about profits talking about running a business as efficiently as possible definitely check out that part of the show whether you're on sarah or you're not on sarah you can track your efficiencies so it's a great up part of the episode. So we want to hear from you too. Make sure you leave a note down in the comments of what your favorite part of the episode was and enjoy the show. Welcome everybody to HVAC Success Secrets Revealed at the Women in HVACR Expo. It is bright and early here, 7.15 a.m. And we are joined with one of the founding members, Ruth King. If you haven't heard of her, she has been in the industry for a hot minute, over 35 plus years. She has five best-selling books. With her sixth one on the way, she is, I would say, a serial entrepreneur with over eight businesses in that time frame, a licensed contractor, and is known as the profitability and wealth guru. Thank you for taking some time out of what is an imagining a busy event for you to sit and chat with us. Oh, my pleasure. I'm glad to be chatting with you. I'm sorry there's no whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) We do have a cooler over here, okay. uh, but it's empty. Uh, oh, we drank it all yeah. last night. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Women in HVCR, you're one of the founding members of it. Tell us the story of how you guys got started. It was 2002 at AHR. At that point, it was still called Ashray, believe it or not. And Gwen Hosnick, who is the marketing director for contracting business, and I were sitting at breakfast in the Hyatt Regency, bitching about the fact that there were no women in the industry. And we decided we were going to do something about it. We did. And so we decided the first year would be just, we were just going to do a panel discussion at Comfort Tech. And so we did. We actually found a Canadian, believe it or not, woman tech. was the only woman tech we could find. Wow. And she was Canadian. Leave it to us. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And so she came and presented as part of the panel discussion. There was probably 20 people in the room. And that's how we started. And then put together the 501c3 and the rest is really history we started maybe 10 15 20 members we're now over 900 20 years later and we keep spreading the word and our goal and mission is to recruit obviously women to the industry but even more important is to retain them because before now there was really no place for women to go they might be the only women tech in their organization and they feel alone or the only installer in their organization, they feel alone. There's nobody to go and talk to who understands what they're going through. And from a manufacturing or a supplier distributor standpoint, a lot of the women there are by themselves too, you know, dealing with a whole bunch of issues. And so they have mentorship, we have ambassador programs, and we have, which was announced last night, was our endowment fund. So what we do is we provide scholarships to women who want to enter the industry. Can you imagine a woman who says, yeah, I want to get in the industry and they don't have the money to pay to go. We put that thing together. I put the thing in all reality, it was approved by the board. (laughs) And the reality is we want never ever to have a problem with a woman who wants to go to school 
in this industry to get in it. So we put together an endowment fund. We're trying to raise a million dollars. We've got a little over a hundred thousand of it raised right now. Mm -hmm. And we are going for it this year. We gave out six, $5,000 scholarships, Mm -hmm. but if we could do it, somebody's going to a two year school, wouldn't it be great to give them the money for both years rather yep. than just one year yep. or somebody's going to a four-year school. It does not have to be technical. It can be somebody who wants to do the dispatch side of it, the sales side of it. There's so many things that we can do as long as it's HVAC related, it applies for the scholarships. Right. In hearing the stories of the ladies that were getting the scholarships yesterday, like just amazing to be able to just give back, to be able to get that in and do it. And so in case you're listening, you're like, shit, I might want to give money to help out Women HVAC. Guess what? We had a link. (laughs) (laughs) It is womeninhvacr.org forward slash endowment. And you guys have a bunch of different levels on there. And obviously the goal being a million dollars this year. And hopefully our listeners can go in. And if you can contribute $20, great. If you can contribute $2,000, great. If you can contribute $20,000, great. Great. Yeah, Um, whatever. And any amount works and helps out to, as you say, the goal and retain yeah and recruiting is important but also is retaining because yep. in, when Gwen and I were doing this by ourselves there's no women and so we had a then and men are allowed as long as you support women one of our greatest supporters from day one has been Dave Squires he went and did the website he did a lot of the marketing for us and everything else like that remember we were no money back then Everything we did, I basically paid for in the beginning, and now we don't have that issue. But the reality of it is thank you to our sponsors, thank you to our members to be able for us to be able to do this really cool thing for women who want a great career in HVAC. So we are looking at it from a perspective of the more people who know about us, the more people we can get in the industry, the more people we can help, and the more people we can retain. And to be first event coming to the women HVACR and coming here. And it's just an absolutely amazing thing to watch the camaraderie that is built between all of these amazing ladies within the industry and more people. I don't, they probably see you and they probably thank you a lot, but thank you for putting this together because it's absolutely wonderful to see. And just having the conversations of, of that, like when we had Sarah Gerardo and Lauren Vahey on yesterday mm-hmm. and they're talking about their tribe and their village and be able to talk about things that are happening within their office or in the field and what have you, to have that camaraderie is what is really powerful and that's what you've built and that's what you're going to continue to build. Thank you. It was interesting because after the event was over, I was talking with one of the scholarship winners who had felt so totally alone. Mm-hmm. There was nobody around. She was in, in a class with guys. No offense to the guys who are listening, but sometimes they can be mean, exclusive, exclusionary, not exclusive. And she said, we told her, you're not alone anymore. And join, obviously she's joining us, but the reality of it is she didn't realize that there's help. Mm-hmm. You know, there's our Facebook page is amazing. Somebody had posts the question and really and truly the answers are there. People pay attention, people help. And it's, you're right. It's a tribe. It really and truly is a tribe of women who are trying to make a difference in the world uh, and really and truly doing great things and having phenomenal careers in what we do too, which is fun. The fun part about it is that, and this is where we're getting into the ambassadorship program, is most people don't realize or realize too late that this is a career. And so we're trying to get into the seventh grade and the eighth grade and that type of thing, as well as the technical school so that we can start women. You're not alone. Come join us. (laughs) That's funny. My dad always told me, go into the trades, go into the trades, go into the trades. I'm like, no, I'm going to go to business school. And now it's funny. 
coming back. I'm actually, we're in the trades. We're, yeah. in the, we're on the marketing side of the trades and the podcast side of the trades, but we're still in the trades. And if I would have actually taken that leap back then and went into the trades, I would have been in a radically different life space for the better. And it's just, there's so much power in the trades and it doesn't have to be HVACR. Obviously, we're talking about HVAC because we're on the HVAC network. Women in HVAC, any trade really for that matter, you can have a great and awesome rewarding career. Yeah, the person who used to take care of my house from a plumbing perspective, was phenomenal. And the guy who takes care of my house now from the HVAC perspective is one of my clients. Nice. And so, number one, he doesn't screw up anyway, but I promise you, he will not screw up my house. (laughs) (laughs) So talking to some of your clients, and you've been in the game for quite some time. I know we were chatting a little earlier before we got on that in 1998, you started some virtual online training before the and we were talking we we're laughing because of like dial-up internet yeah and if i could make the dial-up internet sound i would so then everyone listens like dial-up internet right yeah uh, they remember those struggles so what was it like pioneering something on the online world in 1998 when really there wasn't a lot there everybody told us we couldn't do that so when somebody tells me i can't do something we figure out how to do it and my husband was actually the first person to put video on cell phones Wow. Way back in 2000, 2001. And nobody believed you could do it. And the venture capitalists they went out after believed that they were faking it until we proved it. And then they went to CES, Consumer Electronics Show, in 2001, 2002. And then that was it. Because now everybody believes you can do it. And we have AT&T and Verizon. Right now, it's video on a cell phone. No big deal. But it was a big deal back then. It really and truly was. And so that happened. And HVAC Channel TV was born out of that. And it's been going ever since now. There's lots of changes now than back 20 plus years ago. But the reality is we still have training classes on there. We still do a lot of work through there. And it's a resource for HVAC contractors who need training, need manuals and that type of thing. So we do that. And and the profitability (laughs) side, like that is your business, right? Obviously. Yeah. I'm a numbers girl. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's really funny. My clients say to me, should I do this? And I'll say, okay, how much is it going to cost? We know what your gross margin is. Divide by your gross margin. And can you produce the revenues to make it worth it at break even? And it's really easy. And they've learned not to ask me these questions. Right. They've learned, okay, I did this. Here's the revenues I think I need. And I say, great, can you do it or not? How are we going to get it done? So every expense that you have literally in your business, you can determine the amount of revenue you need to generate to pay for that particular expense. And a lot of times it's from your perspective, should we do this marketing program? Should we do this? Should I send them off to training school, whatever else it is? And they now know how to figure it out. The fun part is when you sit the guys down or the ladies down who are going to training saying, okay, we're going to pay for class. We're going to pay you while you go to class. We're going to pay for the trainings for class. The revenues you have to generate is sometimes it's $15,000, And They don't think that. They think, okay, I'm going to class and it's costing a thousand bucks or fifteen hundred bucks or whatever it is. I say, okay, how are you going to generate the revenue? And there's dead silence. And it's really cool. (laughs) And one of the things that we really encourage is that they actually come back and teach the class. You know, teach a class during the, the service meetings or the install meetings or whatever else it is. And so when they have to teach class, they pay attention better. And as a result of that, and well, I'll be able to diagnose faster. I'll be able to do this and this. And I'm good. Your goal was this amount of revenues and we're now adding 15,000 to it or whatever else it is. And that's how we do it. Everybody has bottom line responsibility in terms of understanding where they fit in, both in the office and in the field and what their KPIs are and 
they know where they are. And that's sometimes the hard part when you have to talk to them and they're not making their KPIs. Mm. Yeah, Making their KPIs, the conversations are great. <laughs> <laughs> it's when they're not. It's when they're yeah. not. It's, ugh. you still have to do it. Yeah. yeah. KPIs, what are your biggest ones that you particularly look for and pay attention to? My biggest one is net profit per hour, which mm. says for every billable hour, how much drops to the bottom line. And then the next one after that is overhead cost per hour. So for every billable hour, what little piece of overhead, $20, $30, $40, whatever yep. your numbers are, comes after that. And then all of our field people have, they know what their truck has to generate in revenues because we do their budgets with them every year. We, they know what their margins are. And there's a weekly spreadsheet that they see and they go, okay, you're, let's say it was $3,000 this week you had to generate. You did 4223 Terrific. And you know sometimes there's a goose egg if you're on vacation. Mm -hmm. You got to make that. <laughs> yeah it doesn't just go away oh no, it doesn't no. yeah. and you can see the goose eggs as we go through the sheets because it's done for an entire year and it's fun because a lot of them actually get really want to know where they are the other thing we track excuse me is productivity so if we pay you for 40 hours how many of those hours can we bill and so your productivity ratio needs to be north of 75 percent for installation crews it's probably 85, 90% because you're out there, you're in a job all day, techs, not so much. And they thrive on that. And mm -hmm. as long as we can do that, a lot of the, a lot of the business owners, they've started at a 50% productivity or less sometimes. <laughs> they realize, okay, we did really great on this job, but I'm still not making money. The right. problem is the job was phenomenal, but you only bill four hours out of an eight hour day. You don't make money that way. So a lot of times we'll say, okay, if the company overall, everybody in the company maintains a 75% or higher billable hour rate, then everybody in the company gets a bonus of whatever it is a quarter. It's generally somewhere between $100 and $250. And they are focused on making sure that they're productive labor stays productive. And it's funny when you ask the questions about how do we do this if you're at 50% or something like that, the office always knows what the field should be doing and the field always knows what the office mm -hmm. should be doing. It's funny. Now the field people won't talk about it. The office people will and vice versa. It's interesting. Like performance measure just performance gained, right? And yeah. if you're not keeping track of it, you're never going to get on top of it. Obviously we have Sarah as a sponsor of the show. So mm -hmm. shout out to Sarah. Uh -huh. They can measure productivity within the app and it's phenomenal. It's really cool. For the businesses that aren't on Sarah, how are you coaching them to measure productivity? Good old Excel spreadsheet. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> if then statements galore, I bet. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of the software actually does it. Like most of the like Service Titan or Field Edge or Sage or that's Sage 300. Let's see who else. I mean, I, I'm missing and I apologize to all the software I have not mentioned, <laughs> but all of them do a report that basically says field revenue or field whatever or technician report or whatever else it is and you can see how many billable hours they had just on that and then you can look at what their payroll hours are and you go eh, or great one of the two hopefully right. it's great that type of thing but yeah you can measure it that way and then you throw it into a spreadsheet remember Absolutely. i'm the numbers person yeah <laughs> <laughs> spreadsheets are your favorite. <laughs> the other part that I wanted to ask on is that you mentioned the field staff know what the office should be doing and the office knows what the field staff should be doing, but they don't communicate that back and forth. How do you bridge communication within an office to be able to increase productivity? What we do is we ask them separately. All right. What are some of the things we can do in the field? And the office people will tell us that. And we list them. We ask them to put it all on a piece of paper. There's like six questions we ask them and they turn them in and we list them all. And then we say, okay, this is why we can do this. We're going to do it starting whatever time period, or this is why we can't do this right now. And we'll put this on the list for things to do in the future. We never let somebody 
who's given us an idea, not know, yes, we're doing it or no, we're not doing it because that's not fair. Because if we don't respond, then they won't give us any more ideas because they're the eyes and the ears. They're the, the boots on the ground, the feet on the ground, whatever you guys call it in Canada. I don't know. Feet in the snow. Feet in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we do it that way. And we get suggestions. And once people realize that you're going to implement their suggestions, and guess what? Then they give us more. Right. Yeah. First year's the hardest. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I think that goes with any business or any aspect of things like innovation, right? How do you innovate and adapt in your own business? You can't come up with all the ideas yourself. You have to have your team help you come up with the ideas. And again, I reference Google X Labs. Google has the, this X Labs where it's all these innovative ideas that they test and they try. They actually have a project cancellation celebration party. That's exactly right. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So- when they have one of these XLab projects that gets axed and it's no longer done, they have a party. And they're like, somebody asked, why do you guys have a party when you guys kill off a project? They're like, because we want to celebrate somebody coming up with the idea in the first place. And when you have 100 ideas, guess what? 90 are probably going to be shit. You're going to try 10 of them and two of them are going to stick. And those numbers are just made up. I'm not. You're uh, close. Right? I'm close. You're uh, really I know close. I'm really close. <laughs> but the idea is if you don't have 100, you're not going to get the two. If That's you only right. have 10, guess what? You're not getting, you're not getting, you're getting 0.2 ideas. You're not going to be able to move it forward. And so having these ideas and having this open dialogue within an office is a super important thing. Yeah. I've been in a room where the head of X labs presented and Mm. you're really close. (laughs) Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah, it it really is. It's doing things. It's listening to podcasts. It's talking to people outside of our industry. One of the things that I do, I have a, a group of about 40 contractors that I work with and we have a meeting once a year and we do something, I make them go talk to people outside of our industry and ask them what they're doing. Right. And they have to come back and report. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we come up with some really phenomenal ideas simply because we're not HVAC or we're not plumbing or we're not electrical or we're not pool and spa or we're not generated, which is the group essentially. But they've talked to retail people, mm-hmm. talked to people who are their doctor occasionally, just people who are outside their industry. How do you do what you do? How do you make money? How do you get your clients or how do you get more and more people in the door. What's your marketing type stuff? And you bring back all these ideas that are not insular and thinking out of the box. And I know that's such a frigging cliche. I'm sorry. I hate using that word or those words. However, it really is. We don't have all the answers. We really and truly don't. And walk around a trade show for something that is arts and craftsy. You'd be amazed at what you find Just ideas. It's fun. And it's the beautiful thing about ideas and shared ideas is if I have a dollar and you have a dollar together, we have $2. I have an idea and you have an idea together. We have three ideas. At least. Right? Yeah. It's an exponential growth curve when you're talking about ideology, because now I'm going to come up with my idea. You're coming up with your idea together. We have another idea based off of the The two or more. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's funny because a lot of times the first thing you think about doing, and as you bring it out, and bring it out and bring it out. It changes. One of the things that I've always wanted to do and I'm in the process of doing is taking financial statements and literally you can enter the data and instantly get your graphs and results. Right. All the ratios that you need and everything else like that. And initially when we started this project, I thought we were going to have to do all the work and we don't. Everybody wants to enter their own data. And now we've gotten it programmed so that by next spring, we won't even have to look at it. You'll just do it yourself, which is the cool part about it because it's not dependent upon us. In the beginning, everybody thought it was dependent upon us and the beta tests and everything else that we've been doing. They're giving us all these great ideas and ways to do this, which is so much better than what we thought originally. <laughs> <laughs> Who, not how, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. Yep. I'm diving into that book. It's a fascinating read. Oh, it's it a fascinating is. Fascinating read. I, I'm listening to it on the dog walks in the morning, and it's fascinating. It, it really yeah. is. And if you read Dan Sullivan's latest book, mm-hmm. which yep. is The Gap or the Gain, yep, that's another phenomenal book. I use that as a promotion. I don't promote it, but I'm basically in my contractor sense. I always do a book a month, and that's the last book of the month that I actually used. Yep. And yeah, it's, it's all my wish list for next. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a great book. Yeah. Absolutely- I like his stuff because he's, he even says too, he's like, he wants short consumable content Yeah, because it's for entrepreneurs and business owners because we want quick and to the point. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Okay. Or audible. I look at it because of the five books that I've written, I have read every one of them. So they're on audible <laughs> and book number six is all read and it's going to be an audible. <laughs> nice. Evan, any closing thoughts? Just the last question. All right. Ruth? No, thank you very much for having me. And for those of you who would love to contribute, we would love to have you contribute to the Women in HVACR Endowment Fund. So you can just go to womeninhvacr.org forward slash endowment. We appreciate it. We're really helping women get into the industry, stay in the industry and realize they're not alone. Yeah. Really yep. cool. And Which thank- is the biggest thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No worries. We do have one final question though. Okay. What is one question that you wished people would ask you more, but don't? How do I read a financial statement? <laughs> <laughs> How do you read a financial statement? Read The Courage to be Profitable, which is one of my books. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find it on ruthking.info, I believe is yep. your website. Ruthking.info. Yep. Or you can go to Amazon. You can get yep. it on Amazon. It is in Audible and it's on Kindle. So you can do it any way you want to do there it. There you go. And once people understand P&Ls and balance sheets, and it's not hard, you'd be amazed at what opens up for you. So thanks again for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you. That's a wrap on another episode of HVAC Success Secrets Revealed. Before you go, two quick things. First off, join our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash HVAC Revealed. The other thing, if you took one tiny bit of information out of this show, no matter how big, no matter how small, All we ask is for you to introduce this to one person in your contacts list. That's it. That's all. One person. So they too can unleash the ultimate HVAC business. Until next time. Cheers.